With the New Orleans Pelicans on an eight-game losing streak and sliding down in the standings, there's pressure on the team to make a move before the NBA's trade deadline next week. So let's look at three more rumored trade targets for the Pelicans and if they make sense. Alex Caruso... Nas Reed and Mason Plumley, plus maybe one or two bonus guys in there as well. Let's break it down to today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all to break down some more potential trade targets. we got some different ones, a little bit kind of out of left field targets, I think, but there's some things that they have in common that I think is really interesting and we'll look at all of that in today's episode. Today's episode of Locked On Pelicans, by the way, is brought to you by FanDuel, the uh, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all breaking down every single thing you want to know about this Pelicans team, the play on the court, why it's not time to panic, the salary cap and all of that and what that means for the future. Because that factors into an episode like today's where we look at trade targets. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and tell a friend about the show. And if you want to support the channel, number one thing you can do, comment down below on YouTube. Even if you just want to say hi or let me know if any of these guys are the ones that you really want the Pelicans to make a move for. So let's jump right into it. I'm going to lead with Alex Caruso. This was not a name I had thought of at all, except when I've been asking for trade targets from y'all on Twitter. This name has come up a bunch. And then, of course, The Ringer ran an article yesterday looking at five trades they want to see happen. And Alex Caruso to the Pelicans was one of them. This is, I think, on the surface, a pretty fun name, an intriguing name. But I think once you dig a little bit deeper, it doesn't really work. So first and foremost, any trade that you're really doing, you're, you're trying to give up Devontae Graham and Jackson Hayes, just guys that, you know, long-term don't really seem like they fit on the New Orleans Pelicans. And though I don't think Devontae has been abysmal this year, he certainly hasn't been good. He's not shooting enough. He's not making enough threes. And that's what his job is. Although he's actually been pretty decent defensively. You know, Jackson Hayes doesn't have a future on the team. It doesn't feel like at all. He's an expiring deal. You know, you maybe want to try and get something for him instead of nothing. Though letting his salary expire could be an important thing too. So Alex Caruso, you try and move those two. The ringer has the trade of Kyra Lewis Jr., one of those two, basically his matching salary, and then a 2024 top four New Orleans Pelicans draft pick. So not this coming draft, next year's draft, and one of the Pelicans' own picks, not a Lakers pick, not a Bucks pick, but top four protected. I don't mind the top four protected part. I don't love the idea of giving up Kyra Lewis Jr. just kind of as I want to see what he can give the team. But let's be realistic. He's probably not the answer to what they really truly need to make things work. So if you have to include him in a deal, you have to include him in a deal. But that's essentially giving up two first round picks for Alex Caruso. And that's where you start to lose me on this a little bit. On the surface, there's some fun things to like about Caruso. He's not a short guard. He's not a six-foot guard, and New Orleans has too many of them. At six-foot-four, with a pretty decent wingspan, he has good size. 
He's got some athleticism too, you know, and he's a defensive menace in the same vein of Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado, just kind of at the guard position with, you know, point guard position, but with better size. That could be useful. Jose at times struggles with defense in the half court, but the idea of a Caruso Alvarado backcourt is super fun for what they do defensively. But is there going to be enough offense there, particularly from Caruso? This is a guy that for his career is averaging 6.1 points per game. He's a good enough three-point shooter, career of 37% from three, you know, but he doesn't do it on big volume. Last year, he didn't shoot well from three. Two years before that, he didn't shoot well from three. Basically, when you look at his stats, every other year is a very good three-point shooting year, but those years in between are not good. Shot 33% last year, 40% two years ago, 33% the year before that. He's at 38.7. So there's some inconsistencies there, and he doesn't do it on large volume. So you'd be trading two first-round picks for kind of a defensive first guy that'll give you some assists, that'll give you some rebounding. I like it, but is that what the Pelicans really need? You know, is Alex Caruso more of a fun player to potentially add? But does he give you that much more than what you already have on the roster where you look at him as a different piece? And I don't think the answer is yes. You have Herb Jones that maybe isn't a good shooter, doesn't give you much offense, but Caruso doesn't either. Caruso is a better corner three-point shooter, certainly, but he If he's only taken one and a half per game, two per game, I don't know if it really actually adds that much. Teams aren't going to respect that. They'll let him shoot threes. So maybe he gives you 10% more because of his size than what Jose Alvarado gives you. Do you need to give up two first-round picks, one first-round pick for that? And I think the answer to that is really no. I don't think that that's the type of move this team needs to make. It it sounds fun. You know, I like that he's under contract for two more years after this at a reasonable price at nine and a half million next year, then basically 9.9 million the year after. That's fine. You know, if you're going to add someone, I'd rather it be a lower salary guy like that, that isn't going to kill the luxury tax or, or throw you so far into that, that you have to start thinking about, do we need to duck the tax, which means trading players and usually attaching picks to those players to move off of them. So he sounds fun. I just don't think it makes a ton of sense. You know, what this team needs is more of a scoring punch. You know, I've identified two areas, and the next couple guys we look at are really going to fall into one of that bucket uh, buckets. They need more scoring. We've looked at guys like Malik Be- Beasley, right? Uh, Bogdanovich from Detroit to do all of those things. Those guys fit that, and it makes a lot of sense. I think they could use another backup big man, though there's pitfalls with that. And we'll look at Nas Reed. We'll look at Mason Plumley. I'll also throw Daniel Gafford and Mo Bamba into that as well. You know, they we, we could look at those guys and say, you know, should they be targeting that type of position? Do they need another defensive first guy? Do they need another defensive guard? I don't think so. They need another bigger guard, certainly. I just don't know if it's... Alex Caruso. Again, like the idea, the idea of a backcourt with him and Jose Alvarado and even Herb on the court at the same time too is really fun and it's going to give defensive fits, but, or it's offensive, offenses fits. I did it. I can speak. I just don't think it actually makes sense. Sounds so cool. And then you think about it a little bit more and no, it's not really there. So I don't think Caruso makes sense, let alone giving up the equivalent of two first-round picks for him, or even one, really, even if it's top four protected. But that pick in two years, assuming the Pelicans are a conference finalist, useful, you know, but 
Giving up the 24th overall pick, 27th overall pick for Caruso doesn't sound too bad, but I just don't know if his value to me for this Pelicans team is truly that high. So let's look at some other guys that I think do make maybe more sense for New Orleans. Nas Reed, Mason Plumley. We'll look at them in the next couple of segments here, along with some other trade targets that kind of get roped into this conversation as well. So that's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. So download FanDuel now and you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet and you're going to get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. I love it because it just makes football more interesting. You want to have some fun with the Super Bowl. Get in on all those prop bets. Try and throw down a $5 bet that pays you out $300. Make some money, right? And the FanDuel app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. It really is easy to use. It's laid out beautifully. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday, completely free. No one else coming to you like this, breaking down everything you need to know about the team. It's fun to come up with trades and talk about them and say they need to do something now. But unfortunately, the salary cap, the luxury tax, are concerns for the Pelicans. I don't really care. I think Benson should spend all of her money on this team. I think all owners do. But it's not realistic to talk about this as if this was NBA 2K and money in real life doesn't matter. It unfortunately does. And that's why it's important to have that kind of context for it all. You know, when you say they can just duck the tax later, it's not that easy. Yeah, they can, but they're going to use first round picks and trade away guys you don't want them to trade away to do it. That's why we need to have that episode that I did looking at the luxury tax, the salary cap for the future when it comes to this team. No one else is coming to you like this, breaking down everything you want to know. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast, tell a friend about the show, and leave a comment down below on YouTube as well. So let's look at the next guy that I want to bring up. I think this one would be a fan favorite, a guy that everyone particularly in Louisiana, would really like to see here. And that's Nas Reed, formerly of LSU, currently with the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's a center, a backup big that rebounds a little bit better, that maybe gives you some rim protection, would be a good thing. I love Larry Nance Jr. on this team and what he provides, but rebounding and shot blocking, not exactly those two things. So what about a springy big man that plays with a ton of energy in Nas Reed? Nas Reed reminds you of Josh Hart just more of a center, right? And he brings a lot of energy, would be comfortable coming off of the bench, averaging 10.2 points per game this season, five rebounds. You know, he he shoots from three, not particularly great, 34.1% from deep for his career, but on over two attempts per game. That number trends upward or gets a little bit closer to being 36%. And if the volume goes up slightly, it's a useful tool, a useful weapon to have. You know, Jonas Valanciunas is better than him, better rebounder, better probably rim protector, though. Nas Reed's got some ups and can get up and contest some shots. 
But as a guy off the bench, that's a useful player to have. You know, he's on an expiring deal. The issue here is he's only making $1.9 million. You'd probably need to trade a guy like Najee Marshall to get him, maybe with a pick as well, but you might be able to get it done with Najee because I don't know if the Minnesota Timberwolves are interested in re-signing Nas Reed. There have been rumors both ways about it, but as a springy energy big man off the bench... I don't hate it. You know, I don't think he's going to earn a ton of money next year. You know, if you could pay him around seven, eight million dollars per year, Larry Nance money, I think that's pretty good. I don't mind that. When people have talked about bringing in Jakob Pertle and having Jonas Valanciunas on the roster at the same time, you know, Pertle's wanting 15 to 25 million. You can't pay two centers that amount. You pay one, you know, you can keep Jonas at the 15 million and maybe pay another guy eight, seven. I don't hate that number for some of these players. But this is going to kind of come up in this conversation here and in the next guy I want to look at, Mason Plumley as well. There is a lot of money committed to the front court. You have Zion, obviously, 33, 34, 35 million dollars next year, potentially in the 40s too. You have Jonas Valanciunas at 15 million. You have Larry Nance Jr. right around 10 million or so. That's a lot of money. And then you bring in another guy at 10 plus million, right? All of a sudden you're committing like $60 million to your power forwards and centers. That's a lot. Like that is a lot of money to be committing to that. So if you do bring in one of these guys, maybe you do look to move Jonas Valanciunas in the future, you know, this season, next season to try and kind of help alleviate some of the weight that's kind of attached to that position money-wise. I don't know if it's the best move, but it's something they're probably going to have to look at. When looking at Nas Reed in particular, again, you like him coming off the bench. You like the energy he brings. He's not an elite rebounder. He's not an elite rebounder. His defensive rebounding percentage is not over 20. You know, he's an intro. Oh, it is this season. It isn't for his career. It's right there, 19.8. You know, he's a good enough rebounder. He's not great on the offensive glass, but he definitely can go up and rebound enough on the defensive side of the ball. He's probably about average defensively, maybe a slight tick or two above average, but not a lead on that side of the ball, but he could be useful in the pick and roll. He likes to shoot from distance too, which I don't hate. You know, if he was going to be cheap and you're trading for him, knowing that you're going to try and re-sign him, he's a restricted, an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. You know, if you get him for cheap, you know, I don't know if I want to trade Najee Marshall for him. If you could figure out it in another way, I think that would be good. If you could do Billy Hernan Gomez and two seconds maybe would be the right move to try and ship him out um, and bring, bring Nas Reed to New Orleans. That could work. You know, his role in Minnesota is going to get diminished when Carl Anthony Towns comes back. So I think he wants to take a larger role. Is that in New Orleans is what the fourth big when this team's healthy? I'm not sure. Do you want to spend 10 plus million dollars, $8 million on a fourth big next year? Not sure about that either. You know, it kind of makes these type of questions tough unless you're just committed to trading Jonas Valanciunas. But I think Nas Reed could be had for fairly cheap. I don't think you necessarily need to include a first round pick in any deal for him. Maybe it is two seconds and a player. And that would certainly work for me. I don't want to give up tons of first round picks on fourth guys, right? Guys that are what, nine, 10 in terms of coming off the bench for this team that I don't think is ideal, but Nasrid I like, you know, he's a fan favorite. He would do well here in New Orleans. 
having gone to LSU, people would love him. It's just a move that everyone would celebrate and be really happy about. And we all love Josh Hart as a player. And trust me, Minnesota fans feel the same way about Nas Reed. Pretty much just that energy guy that's going to hustle constantly. When you've looked at this team recently, the hustle hasn't been amazing. I don't think it's been that bad. But get kind of just a jolt of energy wouldn't be a bad thing and a playable big like that is a useful thing for New Orleans. So Nas Reed, I think, really could be a potential option. There's also the ability, potentially, to expand the trade to include Jalen Noel as well. You know, that's a two-guard that could give you a little bit more scoring. He's a downhill guy. If you're including a... Uh, a guy like Kyra Lewis Jr. in this trade, Noel wouldn't be the worst guy to kind of bring back and have him replace some of that. 10.9 points per game. He doesn't really shoot threes well, so he's getting his scoring done by attacking the basket. You know, it doesn't really give you much else other than a couple of assists, rebounds, nothing really to write home about, but you can bring those two guys back in too, and I think it kind of gives you a little bit of what you need. So you could package them. It's about $4 million or so in salary. You could make that work with New Orleans. Maybe it's Kyra Lewis Jr. and Najee Marshall, but it upgrades a position of need for you. Just know you're still going to have to pay, you know, one or both of those guys because also Noel is going to be a free agent after this season also. So some some things to consider with that. How much are those guys going to get paid? New Orleans does projections on that. Maybe they have a better idea. So coming up, let's look at Mason Plumley because this is an idea that I'm kind of warming up to a good bit and I'll explain why coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday, the only place breaking down everything you want to know about this Pelicans team completely free and the things you need to know, the deep dives on certain topics, the larger context around the team. This isn't just fantasy basketball where we can say and do whatever. There's other things you need to consider with all of this. We're covering that here. And now for your second listen, go check out Locked On Saints host Ross Jackson, who I saw this weekend, hung out with him, and it was awesome. He's over at the Senior Bowl. Checking out potential guys for the Saints to draft on location. Go give Locked On Saints and make sure uh, a listen. Make sure they're your second listen after Locked On Pelicans today. Everything black and gold that you need. So let's look at a couple more trade targets here. We're looking at centers now. We've identified there's a need for more rebounding with the second unit, just more shot protection and all of that rim protection just in general. You know, and you've got to kind of do it cheap because how much money are you willing to commit to what would be a fourth big? in the NBA, and that's not an ideal situation to pay a lot of money to. But what if you have a long, uh, enough of an answer right now that also just kind of works as maybe a starter? And that's a guy like Mason Plumley from the Charlotte Hornets that I think could really work. If you think, and I don't know if I agree with this or not, that Willie Green just doesn't particularly want to play Jonas, doesn't particularly like Jonas, you may as well move on from him, not pay him that kind of money, and try and do the center position cheaper. Mason Plumlee could be a really good answer for that, making a little over $9 million this year. You know, he's an older guy. He's going to be 33 um, at some point uh, in, in like two months, so during like the playoffs or something like that for New Orleans. He's a starter. He's basically started the past three years, you know, whether that was for Detroit or Charlotte. He started the majority of NBA games in his career. He probably wants a role like that, but as his career is definitely on the downswing, maybe he would be willing to accept a backup spot at least for part of a year. But you could bring him in, play him off the bench this year, move on from Jonas Valanciunas if you wanted to. I don't know if that's the right idea. And at least have a cheap option for next season. 
He'll be an unrestricted free agent. I can't imagine there's going to be tons and tons of demand for his services. If you could get him for seven, eight million dollars per year, or even at nine million, that saves you money. And if Willie Green doesn't want to use Jonas Valanciunas to his full potential, get someone that you're not really feeling like you're burning cash on. And I think Mason Plumlee makes a lot of sense with that. 12.2 points per game, 10 rebounds. You know, he can pass the ball too and move the rock. 3.6 assists this year. And he is a very, very good defensive rebounder. This year, his defensive rebound rate is 25.1, so he is grabbing about a quarter of all available defensive rebounds when he's out there on the court. That is an excellent, excellent number. So he works on the defensive glass. He's a good enough shot blocker. He's not elite, but he's definitely above average with that. He has good positioning, good size. He moves his feet fairly well. He's not a mobile big that's going to play a ton out on the perimeter, but he's fine. Like he is a perfectly fine, serviceable center that is above average both offensively and defensively. And you don't even really need him offensively, right? Like that's not the point here. It's just to give you kind of what you need in rebounding, defense, and just do enough. Doesn't shoot threes. He has <laughs> taken 41 career threes and he's made two of them. That is that is 4.9% is what he's shooting in his career from three. But whatever. If you need him as a cheap backup big potentially next year or as a starter, if you just want to go cheap at that position, it works. I think that really could work. And that's the way I kind of look at the center position of do it cheap. If you need another backup big that's a rebounder shot blocker, you got to kind of do it cheap because you're committing a lot of money otherwise to that front court area. And I don't know if that's the route to go, particularly with how expensive this team's going to be. It's what also gives me a little bit of pause with a guy like Mo Bamba that I know a lot of people wanted this offseason, maybe are still interested in trading for. You know, trading a first-round pick for him is something you're going to need to do. He's going to make $10.3 million this year. And frankly, he just got played off the court by everyone else in Orlando. His minutes have gone way down from last year because other guys have gotten better and passed him. And what does that say about him? I don't think it says anything particularly great. You know, if you could get him, if he wasn't $10 million, he was cheaper, like absolutely. But I don't know if I want to pay that kind of money for a guy that is, you know, not as good of a defensive rebounder as Plumlee is, you know, isn't, is a much better shot blocker than Plumlee is. I wouldn't call him Bamba elite, but he's definitely good there, but doesn't give you much offensively, doesn't do much else and he's going to cost more than some of the other options when you're looking at what you would need to give up in trades for him that's not ideal either you know you could also potentially look at a guy like Daniel Gafford from the Washington Wizards he's a guy that's come off the bench that started to could kind of fit into either bucket with how you want to use him you know but he's making 12 million next year 13.3 after that 14.3 if you view him as a starter for you sure move Jonas Valanciunas to give you some help elsewhere. But if you don't, that's a lot of money to pay a fourth big and for a guy to come off of the bench. And I just don't know if that's how the Pelicans need to kind of allocate their money and their resources. Gafford, not an amazing rebounder either. You know, he's a pretty good shot blocker, that's for sure. Similar to Mo Bamba in that range. You know, mobile enough, young enough too, I think can help. It's just a lot for a dude that's going to have what kind of role on this team unless you think he's going to get elevated to a starter and they move Jonas Valanciunas or maybe you move Larry Nance Jr., which is that the move given how much they like him and everything with that? It could be. It could be. 
Let me know what you think in the comments down below, but those are some of the things to really consider when it comes to trading for another backup big. But definitely they need more rebounding with the second unit. You know, how much of that gets fixed with the return of Zion? Probably not that much. So this is an area to target. It's just how much money are you willing to commit to that? And I don't know if there's a really good answer to that. It's why we've also looked at a guy like Nerlens Noel with the Detroit Pistons, you know, who has been hurt this year, hasn't really, you know, seen much of him at all. He's played in just 13 games this year, limited minutes, but he's cheap. He's cheap. So if you want to take a flyer on him, I definitely think that works. You know, he's got a team option for next year that you could decline, try and re-sign him for less than that. That seems like it could be a potentially good option, knowing it's not going to cost you too much in the long term. But something to consider. Are you willing to spend money on a fourth big, knowing maybe it means you've got to trade a guy that you don't want to trade later just to get under the tax or something like that? Let me know in the comments down below on YouTube. And that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Pelicans. Game day as the Pelicans take on the Denver Nuggets. We're going to see how that one's going to go. And of course, I'll be back to recap it tomorrow. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.